With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We've been fortunate enough to have a lot of great folks come through RSG as we've been building this. And our special guest tonight, you know, he, he, he's literally, he's literally family uh, to me. Uh, and uh, I remember he came on as he was coming out. He was, a, I think, an undergrad at the time doing Big Ten Network. Now, now he's a big, big wig stumping with the big talks. And we're lucky enough to have him here tonight. He, I consider him a, a, a Badger insider. Uh, he's a, a director of content over there at ESPN Madison. Uh, he's been uh, on ESPN over in Cleveland, uh, worked with uh, a, a number of great folks, I think building an exciting career. We're going to hear more about him. You know, it's my boy, Tony Cartier. How you doing, Tony? What's up, man? How's it going? Guys, thanks so much for having me. That intro was way too complimentary, by the way, Devon. Man, I'm telling you, 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 I know me every time I see you, man, I'm proud. I just, I kind of, I want to put, I want to tear up every time I see you because I know how hard you work to get where you are. And I'm in the end, what I love about you is you never forget about us. You know, you always show me love and help me out and uh, learn this game. And, you know, it's one of those things, hey, when, you know, when the, uh, when the mentor becomes a mentee, it's one of them flip things. You know, this, this young man is always mentoring me, helping me understand how to how to navigate this. He know I'm trying to come with the underground strategy. So he's been helping me uh, through this, and I, pr- I definitely appreciate you, man, being with us here tonight. Um, there's a lot I wanted to cover with you, man. You know, we just finished, and, uh, you know, Hank was laying out, uh, you know, we uh, I was in Ann Arbor at the Michigan game, had a chance to see the Buckeyes uh, up close and personal um, uh, against Michigan. Um, uh, I talked a lot about uh, – it, it frustrates me when I watch people try to play against the Buckeyes, not realizing that, realizing that Barrett um, is one-dimensional. I even uh, tweeted to, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, to uh, Maurice Claret, you know, I hit Mo, I was like, man, he's too one-dimensional against Wisconsin. He even he tweeted back, I agree. And yet people consistently play man-to-man against them. <laughs> and allow him to scramble and just run forever uh, without uh, having it. So I, I, I'm excited about what I'll see, but how do you think the Badgers, as someone who spent a lot of time around that team, how do you think they're prepared for this challenge given their recent history against the Buckeyes? I think you kind of got to throw the recent history out the window, and you have to look at a game like last season at Camp Randall on a cold November night that ended up going to overtime and the way that Wisconsin essentially controlled J.T. Barrett in the pocket until they got to third and long situations, and he was able to escape out of the pocket. But passing-wise, they were able to control him. And I think the team this year is a little bit different, and I don't say that as a knock against a Vince Beagle or T.J. Watt and the guys they had in the system last year because those guys are all world college players. But I think what the Badgers offer this year is – one of the more disciplined defenses in the country, if not the most disciplined. And that's why you saw today defensive coordinator Jim Leonard get become a finalist for, you know, the assistant coach of the year award and things like that, because 
when you look at where the Badgers have struggled against JT Barrett in the past, it's not been his ability to throw the ball 30, 30 yards down the field. And they've had some good wide receivers come through that program. They struggled with that against Cardell Jones in 2014. But against JT Barrett, they have struggled with his ability to either go left or go right, right around the tackle after a play kind of breaks down, after the pass rush comes, comes in a little too hot, comes in a little too high, and allows him to escape. But what I think the Badgers have this year, which you saw a lot of this past Saturday uh, against Emory Croft, is the ability to stay home. And not even the ability to stay home, just the wherewithal to stay home. And you have a guy like Leon Jacobs, who I, I kid you not, I don't think anyone has broken contain on him this entire season. And then you have a guy mm-hmm. like TJ Edwards, who is more than deserving to be All-American, who is going to stay home and let the play come to him because he knows where not to get beat. And then when the play comes to him, he's going to make a play on the outside. And then if you just want to add in the – they're not even afterthoughts. They're star-studded performers on that defensive side of the football, like Ryan Conley, like Garrett Dooley, a young guy like Andrew Van Ginkle, who they all have so many talents, but they all know to play within themselves, but more importantly, play within the system. And that's why Wisconsin's defense is so good this year. I don't think you look at – you look at guys on Wisconsin's defense, you look at T.J. Edwards – and you understand and when Dakota Dixon's healthy, he's a DB, and you understand how good he is as an individual player. You understand that he's going to be an NFL player. He might not be a first-round draft pick, but he's going to be an NFL player, similar to Joe Schobert, who is you know, getting productive reps for the Cleveland Browns right now. Chris Borland was a third-round pick, and he was all-rookie first team in the NFL. So you look at guys like that, and you understand they might not be your first-round picks who are going to be absolute studs like a Nick Bosa from Ohio State but they are guys that play great team football, great team defense. And that's where I think Wisconsin has the advantage against Ohio State, specifically when they're game planning for JT Barrett, because this defense, show me one better in the country. I, and that's I'm one, very hard pressed to find one. Well, and, and I've been singing it from the rooftops uh, 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 with it uh, uh, about that. And part of what, and we had Garrett Dooley on um, and uh, uh you know, a few weeks ago uh, talking mm-hmm. about this and, and I love Garrett. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a great example of a Wisconsin story, you know, this 50 year guy, just kind of how they build through the program. But, but one of the things I, you know, we, we asked him about Jim Leonard and um, the, the thing he's, you know, he said about Jim Leonard, it feels like, you know, he's like a player, right? He has, he has this insight um, about the game. Um, and the part that I think has been the strongest and probably, uh, hasn't been highlighted as much is well, I used to be nervous about Wisconsin's defense is always strong up the middle. I was always nervous about how their corners would play, whether they come up with a mm-hmm. run or whether they could cover. But what I've seen is the way that they force on the corner, the way they covered like that back end, the front seven is always been, but the back end of that defense is something that I've really see grow. Have you, have you seen that as part of Leonard's, you know, kind of his imprint on it, given, you know, his, position, background, and things like that. Does it look like that defensive backfield has a lot more cohesiveness? I think so, absolutely. And I think a lot of that started last year when they kind of fell apart during the Big Ten championship game. At one point in that game last year against Penn State, they were up by 21 points. And then I think in the span of nine throws, Trace McSorley completed nine passes for nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns. Yes. And yes. they were embarrassed and they were beat up. And I was in that locker room afterwards and I was talking to Dakota Dixon who could barely make a word uh, because he was just so emotional. And I felt bad even talking to him. And, you know, one of the things he was saying was that we we're, we're better than this. 
and they knew they were better than that then. And I think the work they put in in the offseason definitely shows. And I think, you know, bringing it all back to Jim Leonard, who I just think has been doing such an amazing job this year, no one wants to uh, not be better than their 38-year-old coach, right? I mean, how yep. many coaches are as young as Jim Leonard? And he's one of the best DBs to ever do it at Wisconsin. He's got the records. He has, you know, the resume of playing in the NFL a lot longer than anyone ever thought he would. And uh, guys are trying to be as good as Jim Leonard was at Wisconsin. Guys are trying to be as good as Jim Leonard was at the next level. And I think that's extremely motivating for this team. But then I do look at last year in that Big Ten title game, Sojourn Shelton, uh, he's obviously gone on to uh, to sign yeah. with a couple NFL teams, but they didn't really throw in his direction. He was he was a field-tilting player. I think people forget how yeah. good of a corner he was here at Wisconsin. And then you look at this season, and with still a championship and a bowl game to play, Nick Nelson has already set the record for pass breakups for in Wisconsin mm-hmm. history. I believe he set it two weeks ago with with his 20th, and he has even more since then. That's unbelievable. And he was talked about as coming in as, as being a huge, huge difference maker. And then people thought he kind of got off to a slow start because he doesn't have the gaudy interception stats and the gaudy punt return stats. But what he's able to do is to take away an entire side of the football field. And as JT Barrett is game planning or as Dwayne Haskins is game planning, uh, if, if the freshman quarterback for Ohio State has to play, they look at Nick Nelson's side of the field, especially if the strong safety in Dakota Dixon is leaning anywhere in that direction, that side of the yep. field's gone. That's eliminated because you don't throw in that direction. There, there hasn't been a receiver who has really been able to take full advantage of that. I mean, I know he struggled early in the season against yeah. FAU. I forget his name. They have a six-six kid who's going to be like a third-round NFL draft pick. And Nick Nelson was still learning the Wisconsin system really because he sat out all of last year after, you know, after transferring from Hawaii. But he's been that good. So I look at him and I look at Dakota Dixon as two of the leaders. And obviously you have a Derek Tindall and other guys on the back end who have been kind of playing lights out. But that combination right there, if mm-hmm. if Dakota Dixon's healthy and and, and he and uh, Natrell Jamerson and those guys are on the field with Nick Nelson, I mean, that defensive backfield is dangerous. They're fast. They're athletic. They make plays on the ball. And, uh, and they're not as scared to get beat, which I think helps them a lot because they'll, they'll gamble on some plays knowing they have that safety help. You got a fifth-year guy like Joe Ferguson. You throw in there, who has what three interceptions this year, including yep. two touchdowns. I mean, they have depth at that spot, and I just think it's one hand washes the other, right? If the if the pass rush is good, the DBs are going to look really good. But it, 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 against pro-style offenses this year, when the DBs have looked really, really good, they've made the pass rush look even good because you get those coverage sacks because you stop the QB, QB from running up the middle. So I do think it's a co- totally complete defense. Uh, the front seven, in my opinion, is the strongest side of that, and that's mostly because I have so much faith in the in the Dooley's and the Conley's and the and the T.J. Edwards of the world. But those DBs are something serious too. And, and one of the things uh, before I, I hand it over here to uh, Hank uh, to, to to ask you a few questions, and uh, the the thing you I mean, what I love about you're connected. You have your, your network in terms of into the national media, uh, particularly being there at ESPN and and tied in. Um, you know, I did a podcast, uh, a few podcasts ago, uh, that I dropped, uh, about what I call the Wisconsin bias. And I know you talk to your guys in, in the network. What is it? How is it difficult for national media folks to get their arms around Wisconsin and, and utilize the same evaluative tool that they use for other top teams? 
So I had that's interesting you bring that up. So I had a conversation with Stephen A. Smith not that long ago. We were we were mostly talking about the Green Bay Packers, and he says how he covers the Green Bay Packers like a national media person covers them. And I believe the term he was on a macro level, where he he looks at them from the broad spectrum, and he doesn't look at the intricacies. I I, I guarantee you, there's a lot of college football analysts who couldn't tell you who Andrew Van Ginkle is because Mm -hmm. he wasn't a five-star recruit because they're not in Madison every day because on some of the highlight films that they're watching in these packages that can put together for them, he may not show up. I mean, he may have shown up when he, when he hit Brandon Peters, but that's probably about it. But I think when you're in Madison and you're at the, at the level that we are watching every, each and every play a couple times per week and, you know, trying to break it down that way, you understand that Wisconsin is not a school that needs to have five-star recruits. You look at, there was a caller on the Paul Feinbaum show the other day who, and that's obviously, that's a huge SEC show, lots of Southern bias <laughs> on that show. And a caller calls in and says, you know what, Wisconsin will take its 40th ranked recruiting class and enjoy being the fifth ranked team in the country. And this was, I believe, last week, Tuesday, when they had, when it came in at number five. <laughs> and it's tougher, you know, and, and I don't really fault national media, to be completely honest, because if you're covering so many different schools and so many different teams, you are going to, spend most of your time with this team that are going to get you the most clicks, right? It's your Ohio mm-hmm. States, your Michigan's, even your Michigan States. If you're talking big 10 outside of that, it's USC, UCLA, Texas, Bama, Florida, Clemson, you know, you know, the, the, the powerhouses of, of attention, the powerhouse of where the fan bases are. But Wisconsin's never been a school that has had that because they don't have the number one overall recruiting class because their head coach isn't on the cover of sports illustrated or to be frankly honest, they have yet to be the, and they, and they won't be the subject of a national investigation. That's just not how Wisconsin does things. So they don't really bring attention to themselves. All they do is play unbelievably consistent football since Barry Alvarez took over in 1991. And I think that is very, very hard to cover nationally. It's very, very hard to respect. And that hits a lot of different Wisconsin sports. Uh, you look at 38 and one against Kentucky people didn't know who Josh Gosser and Ben Bruss were, or I mean, Bruss wasn't on the team, but people didn't know who Josh Gosser was, you know, that year. And he scored zero points in the national title game, but had a huge impact. And it's one of those things where I think you just have to know what's on the ground here to really appreciate it and to really understand the system that Wisconsin runs. And I mean, guys, it's a hell of a system. They're they're in the NCAA tournament and have a bowl game. I think every year in the past 16, one of maybe four or five schools that can say that. So, it's an elite athletic program here at Wisconsin. It's just uh, not celebrated as much as it should be. And I think that's the way a lot of the guys here kind of like it. Yeah, I could tell that with T- I could tell that with talking to Garrett and hanging around those guys. They're, they're okay with living in the shadows. Uh, and they're okay with people downplaying them uh, in a way. And it's, it's kind of interesting to watch them just – they quietly revel in it, and they just show up every week and, and keep putting them W's up. Hank, I'm going to throw it to you. Okay, thank Hey, Tony, welcome to the show, man. It's, it's been a pleasure just listening to you guys just kind of like chew the fat on Wisconsin football. Uh, being a Wolverine, you know, I, it's a different insight to listen to you guys talk and be able to stomach it. But anyway, let me move on. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about Alex Hornibrook. Um, in the, in, one of the things, one of the knocks on him uh, before these, these last couple of games was the turnovers. That uh, that he had been turning the ball over a couple of times, uh, even in the game before they played um, Michigan, there was concerns about him turning the ball over. Uh, what do you expect from him going into next next week's game? And do you expect 
uh, allowed the offense to run through him. So I, I think the offense is pretty much predicated on the run game. And if the run game can get going, how that's going to open up the pass game with a couple play-action passes. But you hit it right on the head. The turnover issue is huge. We made jokes all week that, you know, he broke the interception streak. He didn't throw one for the first time in eight games, which mm-hmm. was a feat for Alex Hornerbrook this year. But one of the things I think with him is that I have, I've come across a lot of athletes. And one of the things I've always noticed in the great ones, and I'm not saying he's a great quarterback by any means, but some of the guys that I've have come across who I know are great athletes and great competitors is their ability to forget instantly that sports amnesia is a real thing where if you're a point guard, you don't remember your last turnover or your last assist. You just get back out there and you play the next play and talking to Alex Hornibrook for the last two years, he has that unlike any other where he can throw a pick, go to the bench and act like it never happened. Paul Chris will give him a stare down and they'll have a conversation about it if need be. But he acts like it never happened, and on plays after his interceptions this season, he's brought it. He's, you know, put some more heat on the ball. He's kind of learned from his mistakes on the fly, which I know doesn't show up in the in the stat sheet, but I think it's a sign of maturity for sure. So the way I kind of look at him is that when is he going to have that costly turnover? Because if he has it in the first quarter, I have full faith that he bounces back almost instantly and can lead a touchdown drive what we haven't seen Alex Hornibrook do yet. And he's played some good defenses. Your Wolverines being probably the best one that he has faced and maybe will face, um, you know, depending on where they end up in the bowl game or in the college football playoff. But when does he make that mistake? Because if he makes that mistake in the fourth quarter, is there enough time to recover? And that's the biggest question mark we have with him locally. That's the biggest question mark I have with him. Uh, the same, same with Jonathan Taylor, the Badgers true freshman running back who, will probably set the NCAA record for rushing yards from a true freshman this year. I think he's like 130 behind Adrian Peterson. But he's had some fumbling issues. Often they've been early in the game, and the defense has made up for it. But what happens if that fumble comes, you know, when you're up by three in the fourth quarter? What happens if that interception comes from Alex Hornibrook when you're up by three in the fourth quarter? Is there enough time to make good on that? And that's the part that worries me. Like, is the, they've been bitten in the past – but, against you you referenced the Iowa game. You throw two pick sixes, I believe, both in the first half. You have right. time to recover. Your defense is that good. Your running back is that good. You'll figure it out. Against Ohio State, can you do that? Can you live that way? I don't think so, especially if that mistake comes after the break. He almost, against Michigan, he threw a third-quarter interception, and it looked like that could be a huge turning point in that game. And he bounced back, luckily, for Wisconsin. So, I look at that as... I don't want to use the term ticking time bomb with Alex Hornibrook because he's played a lot, a lot of, of collegiate football. But as a fan and as a reporter and as all of the above, you always have that in the back of your mind where when do you get too comfortable? When, when does he make that mistake? Because if he makes it at a costly time against a good opponent, which that will only face great opponents from here on out, it could cost him. Mm-hmm. So the, the other question I have for you is um, – you guys kind of talked a little bit about the Wisconsin bias, or a little bit about uh, that that they they the nation feels like they haven't played anybody. But one of the issues with Wisconsin has been, you know, slow starts throughout the season, especially slow starts with uh, lesser opponents. Um, what do you think, or, or what have they done to address that? And 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 then finally, uh, what do you what do you, what do you expect is going to happen this Saturday? 
So looking at the strength of schedule and things, I think the, you know, the ideology or the statements that they haven't played anybody, completely true. They they thought FAU was going to be good, and FAU has been. I think believe they've won seven straight, but their conference is terrible. Uh, BYU, when they scheduled this game back in 2015, was supposed to be a pretty solid program. That's when they had Taysom Hill. They were, they were playing pretty good football. Their defense was supposed to be good this year, and they have a debacle out there in Utah. Um, but I look at this as like the year that they haven't had the very strong schedule because people forget the last three seasons, Barry Alvarez was on the college football playoff committee, and he was scheduling the games at Lambeau against LSU. He scheduled Alabama. He scheduled the, the two neutral games against LSU. Like he, he put big games on that schedule. Going forward, they announced the, the Notre Dame schedule uh, or the Notre Dame home-and-home, home, which isn't really a home-and-home, home, but – they they know that they have to have that strength of schedule if they're going to compete at the end of the season to get into the to get into the big dance and to get into that final four. So they're working on that. I mean that's been in the works, but some of these schedules were also made four or five years ago, and some of these teams were maybe a little bit better or you know had expectations to be better in the future. So uh, as far as the Big Ten West, they can't control that Nebraska is no good. I mean hopefully they end up with Scott Frost. I heard you guys talking coaches earlier in the show, hopefully they end up with Scott Frost and can kind of turn that program around and provide some competition. Hopefully PJ Fleck turns it around at, at Minnesota and, and they become even a bowl eligible team, like the team that he took over before they only had five wins this season. And, uh, and, and the big 10 West has been a little bit more competitive, but I think over the next couple of seasons and in the past three seasons, that the strength of schedule has definitely been there and to no fault of their own, their competition this year, you're always going to play your dogs. You're always going to play your Utah States. Uh, Alabama played Mercer two weeks ago, and maybe they they were still sleeping, and that's why they lost the Iron Bowl. But I look at that as kind of a a, a one of the things that Wisconsin should get knocked for this season, and rightfully so that that they have. But I don't think they have scheduled purposely the cupcakes that people want to make it out to sound like. Um, and as for your second question, what do I think is going to happen on Saturday? I was living in Cleveland when. It was my first week there. I was working for ESPN Cleveland. I was covering the Cavaliers. We had a station event, and there were 600 Ohio State Buckeye fans in a room. I was the only one wearing a Wisconsin hat. And even when it was 38-0, they were still yelling at me. And it was one of the worst, best sporting experiences of my life. I don't (laughs) see the game this Saturday going that same way. I don't think emotionally I could handle that happening again. But I do think it's going to be a very, very close game. And – uh, I won't throw a score prediction or anything out there, but I do think it's going to come down to which quarterback makes a play late in the game. Will it be the tenured vet in JT Barrett against Wisconsin's vaunted defense, or will it be Alex Hornibrook living up to the expectations that we've had of him for so long? I don't see 59-0 in the future anytime. I do see something in the high 20s, low 30s, maybe even last team that have the ball wins, but I do see it coming down to quarterback play and who makes the play with the game on the line. And with wow. that being said, we're playing hypothetical here, but uh, but this this is on everybody's uh, question line. So if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, are they in the playoffs? I don't believe so, and here's why. I'll, I'll tell you why. They have yet to had have a two loss team make the college football playoff. Ohio State lost to Oklahoma, and they lost to Iowa this season. The Iowa loss looks bad especially because Iowa lost two weeks later uh, to, I believe, Penn State or, or, or less. Oh, no, to Purdue. They lost two weeks later to Purdue. So yeah. I don't think you can really compensate for that on the resume. But I also do believe that Ohio State, at the end of the season, if they beat Wisconsin, 
will be a top five, top six team. And it definitely makes the case. The same with TCU. It definitely makes the case for eight teams moving forward. And I think Ohio State and, uh, you know, their athletic director being on the board for the college football playoff committee, I do think if they are kept out as Big Ten championships, as Big Ten champions with two losses, will have a very, very strong case to achieve the goal, which no doubt is the goal of the committee uh, to make this thing eight teams. That will be the perfect poster child for why it should be eight teams. Now, I don't think it should ever go to eight teams, but let's be honest, money rules the world. You guys keep it real on this show. So money rules the world. So it's going to go to eight teams uh, sooner than later. So I look at it as a Ohio State would be the poster child, the, uh, the really the driving force behind that if they're Big Ten champs and left out. And you can't put them in over Oklahoma despite uh, Oklahoma having other losses, but because they uh, Oklahoma won head-to-head. And then if that happens, I think you just throw Bama in there because you know Bama's a top-four team despite losing the Iron Bowl. Right. So having said that, you know, they're going to come out with the rankings tomorrow. Who are you Who are you thinking about, like, your top six teams if you were to sit in that room tomorrow, given what we saw last weekend? Well, so the way I look at it, I take Miami out of the top four. I take Alabama out of the top four. And now I'm looking at uh, I, I got my Clemson, I got my Georgia, I got Auburn, and then I got Wisconsin. Because I think it's, it's really tough to keep Wisconsin out of it now. And then mm-hmm. we're probably right at number five, you're looking at Alabama or, or Oklahoma, and those are your top six right there. I think Miami falls to seven, uh, and they're I, – honestly, I think they're done regardless. That's a bad loss to Pitt. Uh, and, then, and then you kind of just have a crapshoot from there. TCU probably at seven, maybe even eight. Uh, Miami could even fall to eight because TCU has two losses, but they look like a very, very good team, and they didn't lose to Pitt. So something, something right along the lines there. Okay. And, and, and I would be remiss if, uh, before we let you go, given all your years in Cleveland, um, and I know you got your ear to the street. Cavs are having an interesting start to this season. Um, Kyrie's gone. What are you hearing on those in, in, in those streets of Cleveland? Do you feel like I, I don't think LeBron's going anywhere? All the stuff about going to the to West Coast it doesn't make sense to him. But where are they going? You got Derrick Rose leaving the team temporarily. Like where are they going in Cleveland? I, I figure why I got you on here. You know, I, I might oh, as well tap sure. it to you. Yeah, so it's funny you bring that up. So they did a bit on, I believe it was Sports Nation on ESPN the other day. And they said, what year was this headline written? And they were going through headlines of every year since LeBron's been back in Cleveland. And the year that he moved back to Cleveland was my first year covering the team. And this team has habitually started slow. They've gotten it together. They're going to hit a lull in February, and they're going to turn it on, and they're going to end up in in the finals regardless. And that's just what LeBron James has done since he made the decision to go to Miami. He's had these ups and downs, these ups and downs. And they're doing this bit uh, on these old headlines, and they brought up some current ones. It's like, oh, Cavs start the season slow. How will it finish? Or trouble in the land and things like that. And they showed one of my headlines from 2014 (laughs) talking about the Cavs. And I was just like, we're in 2017, and this team has done the exact same thing. The regular season is so boring for those guys, man. I'll tell you, like, they can take two weeks off and not think twice about it, but they have mm. the king on their team as well. They they know where they're going to be playing in June. They know about that cross-country flight to Oakland. Like It's just set up for that again. I mean, 
Kyrie, I think, is good. He's one of the probably the most underrated player in the NBA, in my opinion. Because when that trade went down and people were saying IT is as good as Kyrie, I was almost sick to my stomach to hear those things even be said. And knowing Kyrie as well as I do, having seen him play, knowing everything about his game, it, it, I thought that was just kind of blasphemous. But I don't. Also, I mean, it's been seven years. Like I was, what, a, a freshman in college the last time LeBron mm. James missed the NBA Finals. Like that doesn't make mm. sense. That is, he's been in the NBA Finals for so long. Why would anyone bet against him? So I just think this is one of those things that this team does, the LeBron James team led team does, to kind of just horse around until until it matters. Well, well, hey man. First of all, you know we're always proud of you and uh, glad that you came back to the underground and uh, graced us. You know you you always uh, been there and supported us wherever you could, and we appreciate that. And we we created a new tradition here on the one mic where we we let our guests drop the mic, where you just say who you are, where you're from, and you say uh, dropping the mic on RSG. We want you to do that. We want you to grace that mic for us right now before you exit stage left. Before I exit stage left, Tony Cartagena, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Southside, born and raised, UW Badgers on Wisconsin, mic drop. I love it. This is my guy. Hey, man, keep it blessed. You know I'm going to be with you in the streets. and You know I got to get on. Uh, have fun down uh, in Indianapolis. I haven't figured out whether or not I'm going to go. You know, I don't, I don't have the same access like y'all had to the game. But I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to navigate it. But I know you're going to hold things down there. Uh, enjoy your time, man. We know we're going to hit it up on Twitter and text. Um, and uh, uh, let's, 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 let's connect soon, okay? Absolutely, guys. Whatever you guys need, you let me know. Thanks so much for having me. All right, man. That's Tony Cartagena, ESPN Madison, director of content. This is my guy. Must love in the game. This is how we get down uh, here on RSG, uh, just keeping it real on the real sports guys. You know, we got friends in our- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 